Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 86 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, ladies and gentlemen, by the most popular man in Limerick for the month of September 2016. It's Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, congratulations on your award. Thank you. I know you know it's well deserved. To be honest, I should I should win it every month, but unfortunately, I was pipped at the post by Steve Finnan last month. So hopefully, and and for the out. last thirty six consecutive yeah. months, hopefully. so you've uh, you've finally broken that streak. I believe it's a a day for celebration in the Sheehan House. It is, yeah. It's Patrick's birthday. We've uh, we've a surprise party coming from now in a while. So don't tell him. Don't tell him if you're talking to him. But this won't be out until tomorrow anyway. So I want to hear it. He won't know yeah, exactly. Bit of an old cake there and stuff. So he's what is he? I'm eighty thirty five today. He is. He's an 35. old bastard. Isn't he? Yeah. He's that old... is absolutely scandalous, Sean. I was telling him he'll be fifty in fifteen years. Like, yeah, he's like. I, I'm not looking forward like reaching past 25 because then you're closer to 50 than you are to birth. Jesus, I never even thought of that. Do you know that sort of way? So that's, I, I, I just have it in my head, Sean, that 25 is an optimum number. It's a, re, it's a number that you'd be really happy with. Yeah, I like 23. I was happy at 23. What age are you now, 23? I'm 23. That was, uh, 23 is my favorite number. That's why I was, I was happy there, 23. I'm not really too sure uh, what would have been my, obviously... 22 is good because you can um, attribute your life for that year to Taylor Swift. And yeah. I suppose you can go through a Blink-182 phase as well when you turn 23. But 24, I'm not too sure really where it's going to go. Did you ever see the number of the film 23? No. I'd advise people to not watch it actually because it's actually ruined my life. To be honest. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's, I, it's this Would Jim you like Carrey. to elaborate on it slightly? <laughs> Such a statement. <laughs> it's this Jim Carrey film, and it's like a psychological thriller, right? And he keeps seeing the number 23 everywhere. Like, all different, and it ruins his life. I think he ends up, I'm not, I don't know how it ends. I think he ends up killing himself, not to give away, because he might not end up killing himself. But, like, you know, every car that passes him by, he sees, like, the number 23 in it. And, like, I think he was born on, like, the 3rd of February. And loads of different things like that. It's just, a, it's a really good film, like, but it, it actually fucks with your head. And... Uh, you keep seeing the 23 everywhere and then after for a while. So it does exactly. You, did you get my Blink-182 reference, by the way? No, Just, I didn't. Okay, no so because you kind of glossed over it and I was annoyed. Uh, in their song, What's My Age Again, the lyric is, it, is in it is that it's uh, Nobody Likes You When You're 23. All right, I only know one of their songs is one from Grand Theft Auto. What's that song? So, okay, never mind on that. What was, but, it, what was the song? What was their famous song? Uh, that's probably one of their most famous songs. I think she's gonna make it. Is that them? No, that's Feeder. Oh, yeah. And that wasn't fucking Grand Theft Auto. That was Grand, Grand Turismo. Turismo. Grand Turismo, sorry. Yeah. They, I also, mean, they, had, they had two songs in that, Sean. Buck Rogers and Justin. Oh, yeah. I, I got a brand new car. Yeah. It's like, Looks a, like Jaguar. a Jaguar. What's the fucking blink one? Oh, my computer just went off, did it? Hello? You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, oh I think I just... Your display oh. went off, is it? Yeah. The next, uh, the next lyric in that is, it's got leather seats. 
I was in one of them anyway, definitely, 100%. I, I, we just Googled it, so it's definitely not 100%. Google has the answer to everything, Sean. Shut up. And I'm a Blink-182 <laughs> fan. Well, was. Well, just kind of admitted that in the podcast, regardless. They kept me away driving home from Dublin the other night, too. You and Dana White like be best friends at these these 90s, uh, or maybe early 2000s, was it? S- early yeah. 2000s. Um, some 41. Bands, yeah, some 41. I was... I'm uh, 90s. This is... Um, we're throwing out numbers here, you know, some 41, Sean. I uh, I really wanted a segue earlier on, and I was hoping that you'd pick up on it. My 25 is halfway to 50. 25 is such an excellent number. Because it is. Because it's 25% you get off ORSNutrition.com. Happy birthday, Patrick. That's your birthday present just announced live <laughs> on, <Severe laughs> on the Severe Man podcast. No, no present from Sean Sheehan this year, Patrick, because we've gotten, for yourself and for... Every week, I suppose, not just for your birthday, yeah. 25% off for all of the Severe MMA podcast listeners. So really, Sean Sheehan has given everybody a birthday present. Yeah. Enjoy, lads. Enjoy. So head on over to orsnutrition.com. Good friends and sponsors of the Severe MMA podcast. The, um, oh, typical GEA reference. They're associated with the Dublin GEA team, Sean. Jesus, and look at them camp, boys like... the other day. Heading they kept to going. They never stopped, did they? They did not. They kept going. And it's all down to orsnutrition.com. Head on over to the website, whether you're a, if you're an athlete, if you're a martial artist, if you're a soccer player, a GEA player, or a rugby player, it's all broken down by categories over on their website. So if you they you click in about your sport of choice, Sean, and it will recommend all of the products that they feel you would need for a top performing athlete in that field. If you're just heading to the gym and you just want to put on a little bit of size, well, then orsnutrition.com have you covered there as well because they have it all broken down um, not only by sport, but, but by general fitness and weightlifting needs. Excellent recovery shakes over there as well. Uh, proteins, whey and plant-based. Pre-workouts, treats, BCAs, krill oil, multivitamins, omni joints. They've got the whole shooting gallery, as they say down in West Limerick over at orosnutrition.com. You can check them out on Facebook, you can check them out on Twitter and on Instagram. But as we alluded to, Sean, at the start of this promo, it's better than that. How could it be better than that? Well, they have all of these products. You put them in the cart. You head on over to your checkout. And when you're checking out, just before you go to pay in the... You know the way on some websites, Sean, you can fill in a little code and then you get a percentage off your order. Yeah. And you always think, Jesus, I wonder what the ultimate hack code is to get this for free. Like staff one or something like that. Mm. Unfortunately, that's not ORS Nutrition's promo code, but we have one just as good. Type in SEVERE MMA in capital letters and you'll receive 25% off your first order, Sean. That's madness. That's You're not a madness. Halfway to 50. Their multivitamins too are very good. I was taking mine there this morning. Throw, throw a couple of them into your cart when you're going up there, so I'll get 25% off. Brilliant. 
What's the promo code again, Andrew? It's severe MMA in capital letters, Sean. Sweet. 25% off your first order. Our good friends and sponsors, ORSNutrition.com. I'm meeting the lads uh, later on this week, I believe. Nice. So having a wee chat and a catch-up in Dublin. But um, I was going to say, Sean, I need a little bit of those vitamins myself because the turn of the season. Historically, I always missed school and I was always sick in September. Do you know when just when we're coming into winter and the sniffy yeah. noses and runny noses are about... It's a it's a horrible time of the year. Where you know what I always do? What I always hurt my back this time of the year. Hurt your back? Yeah, because I leave the window open one night too much. There's always one night. I'm uh, you know I leave the window open during the summer, close it during the winter. But there's always one night I go too far and I'm freezing cold and I end up hurting my back. And you're you're pushing the boundaries. You mean? Yeah, that already happened to me. And like I hurt my back like last week and I was sore for like three days. But it's all right now again. There there is always a really nice evening though. Around this time of year where you have your window open, but you're nice and warm in bed, so you don't care about the outside surroundings of the room, but it's not that bitterly cold that you have to be like, I need to shut this straight away. That day is a coming very soon too. It is. It is. Fair enough. Speaking of of weather and climates and stuff where things are generally on the brighter side of life, young Michael Johnson resides there at the moment. It's Florida. We had ATT versus the Black Zillions again at the weekend, Sean, in the main event. UFC Fight Night, Johnson versus Poirier. So are we going to start this podcast with the generic, wow, how good is Nate Diaz comparison? Or are we just going to leave that to the people that have done it already? Or has Uh, anybody done it already? I think they have. Well, I don't know, actually. Maybe they haven't. But I think Nate Diaz is good. It's... This fight is one of those fights that both guys are beatable. I I wrote it in my it was weird. I wrote it in my uh, article last week that there's a, there was a clear path to victory for both guys, and you know when you get a fight like that, um, it, it's a very intriguing one. You know when you have a guy like say like Nate Diaz fighting against Michael Johnson. Okay, I I think I pick probably pick Michael Johnson to win that fight. I think a lot of people probably did, and he could have won that fight, but there's ways of beating Michael Johnson, you know, and there's ways of beating uh, Nate Diaz, like Conor McGregor showed and other people have shown, and there's ways of beating uh, Dustin Barrier as well. So I think, okay, it's fair enough to say that, how good is Nate Diaz, but, you know, it's it's not exactly like, you know, you're not beating Anderson Silva after losing for, hasn't lost for 10 years or whatever it is, or Jose Aldo not lost for nine years, or John Jones or something. It's not one of those. But uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good display, to be honest. I thought it was an excellent display. And it kind of went back to the performance we saw before the Diaz fight and maybe what was lacking in the Diaz fight. The commentary team alluded to it as well. When Michael Johnson moves on his feet, when he's not flat-footed, when he's not static, that's when we actually see maybe the improvements that he's made as a fighter. I think his hands are coming to the stage now where he is able to put things together and maybe... For the first time in a while, you're finding a guy who came in with a dominant wrestling base who's actually maybe feeling a little bit comfortable in the stand-up later on in his career. You know, how many wrestlers have we seen come in that just never really either took the striking or adapted to it all that well, maybe just used it to be able to set up a strong wrestling game, where Johnson, in my opinion now, seems really comfortable on the feet. Whether it's working with a guy like Henry Hooft or not, I know he was using lead leg kicks lots against Parry. He was slamming it into the inside of his thigh I thought Parry's movement looked laboured at times. It, it, like Sometimes when we were watching him come in on these exchanges, I know the fight was pretty short and I wish it went on a little bit longer to be able to look at this detail in particular a little bit more. 
Do you know like in shitty old video games where it's striking games where you could double tap the button to move towards a person and you kind of glide along the ground? You yeah. shuffle forward. That's how Paria was entering in a lot. He was just sh- like double step shuffling in. And I think it caught him like that ultimately. I'm just going to give you my take on the fight here first of all and then you just interrupt me whenever uh, whenever I'm done, okay? Okay. Johnson figured out very early in that fight he would be able to take whatever Paria was thrown at him. From those early shots, whether it was uh, gauging his power or maybe just thinking like one of these shots won't drop me. I think that's when Johnson changed and he was anticipating Paria's um, timing and coming in and I think he was able to read it very well. I think he figured Paria out incredibly quick in this fight. And on the exchange that finished the fight, Johnson didn't try move. He stood there and put his hands up knowing that he was going to block the one-two or absorb the one-two that Paria threw at him. And from there he knew he was close enough to unload at range I had to watch it back multiple times because it was that quick. I thought it was a right uppercut into a left hook. But it actually appears to be two hooks. I'm not too sure. Maybe you have a different take on that as well. But it was like, it just epitomised the fight. It was a pitter-patter one-two strike from Parier maybe who was only getting going. And Johnson knew from early on that if he was able to get Parier into that area where he can just level him with one shot, that he would be able to drop him. And I just thought it was... a a very, very good performance for Michael Johnson. Yeah, I think you're a little bit right. I think the, what you're most... Uh, you hit the nail on the head there saying that he was still getting into the fight, Paria. I think he, he definitely was. Um, this was a type of one fight where Michael Johnson came out and I think Michael Johnson was just on form and there was probably... Most people in the world aren't beating him on the night the way he fought at the weekend. He just looks so slick. As you said, his foot movement was absolutely phenomenal. He he was a bit wayward in a couple of his shots. He was thrown with big, big power. Maybe if it got gone a little bit longer, maybe that would have worked against him. But he, he, he got parry and finished him, what was it, 95 seconds in or something like that. But um, for me, I think, look... It's easy to look back and say, "Now, part maybe Paria should have um, should have grappled a little bit earlier." But I'm, yeah, it's tough to say that when it's so you know ninety five seconds into a fight. For me, when I was looking at the fight, right, I thought I knew like Johnson's going to do what he always does. He he'd come out, he'd be lighting his feet, he'll try shots. For Paria, I thought he would come out and he'd throw the big shots. And as you said there, okay, maybe he landed a couple and, and Johnson took him. I didn't think he actually landed that much. Maybe one or two, you know, nothing, nothing great. But for what Parry usually does, and against he did it against Bobby Green and he did it against Joe Duffy. He went, he goes for a firefight and he's done it, done it in lots of other fights as well. He kind of tries to throw hands early and if he can connect, he keeps connecting. And if he can't, he'll go for the takedown. And I think... Maybe he was still at the stage where, okay, I'm not sure I'm getting beaten in the striking yet. Uh, I'll I'll keep it going. You know, I'll give it, keep it going for another while, and I'll see I'll see how it goes. And then he just got caught and put away. Um, I think one thing thing I didn't factor in. I don't think we even spoke about it last week. Is Paria's chin? Uh, it's kind of it's funny. Some things you kind of write him off because ah, oh, okay, he got who did he get knocked up by? He got knocked up by Conor McGregor, and you know he got rocked. Maybe at one forty-five, where he was, he was cutting a lot of weight, and we know lots of people have said when that extra weight is cut off, it, it's a lot harder to take shots and stuff like that. 
I mean, we've gone up to 55. We've seen him. He's taken big shots. He took, took big shots off Bobby Green. He, Joe Duffy hit him a good few times and he took him. But I think there's definitely still <laughs> still an issue there. Like, he got hit with a great shot, okay? It would have knocked most people out. But we're looking at, say, we're looking at an elite. Like, there's talks now, Michael uh, Michael Johnson, maybe maybe one, two fights away from uh, a world title, a lightweight, the, the best division in the world. Like, so we're looking at him at, at that sort of level. So, like, if you look at him compared to Nate Diaz or Eddie Alvarez or even the shots, you know, that Conor McGregor took off of, off of Nate Diaz, other guys like there's lots of guys like that I think he's the chin is definitely definitely a weakness with him he can't take those shots from those big boys like the other guys can take them and I think that's been you know that's been proven over and over last night we saw we saw it against McGregor you know um so so that's a huge thing and I think Johnson knew that and he fought that way he fought a fight to knock him out and I think you know credit to him he did that now the the finishing sequence you were talking about it there I actually I slowed it down as well it was it was so fast. You actually, it was even slowed down and at at, a, at a, whatever you, a super slow mo. It was it was tough to see it. He hit him with uh, Poirier through the the one two, and Johnson came up with a big right hook, kind of overhand right hook over Poirier's left hand and hit him right on the chin. And then he hit him with a second one. The second one with his left, you know, it kind of grazed him. It hit him hard, but he was gone at that stage already, and um, he went down. and He finished him with a couple then, but. You know, it's a tough fight to read too much into, apart from Michael Johnson looks slick. And I said it last week, you can't throw the, you know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater for a guy like Michael Johnson. He got beat by Benil Dariush in a close fight. He got beat by Nate Diaz, but he's still a very, very good fighter. Um, and I think, you know, he's a tough matchup for anyone in that division because of the things he brings. Now, there's another way of looking at it. I said all those guys have a clear, you know, a clear path to victory and a clear path to lose and, you know, a clear path to victory for the people against him. And I still think he has that. You know, he, as you said there, he has a, a background in wrestling, a junior college uh, wrestler, I believe. But I don't think his wrestling is that good in MMA, to be honest. We saw Reza Madadi absolutely destroy him uh, with wrestling. I think he can get taken down. I think there's guys with maybe not quicker hands, but better hands than him and better um, power as well. He's, as you said, working with Henry Hooft, his hands have definitely improved and his power has improved. We see that an awful lot. And he, he's such a good athlete as well that he's going to keep improving and, you know, keep getting getting better and better all the time. So, you know, it was a good display from two, two good guys in the lightweight division. And I think Poirier, you know, he was the informed guy coming into the fight. But I think a lot of people, including myself, overestimated him and underestimated Johnson, and that's a that's a, that's a perfect that analogy an there. Yeah. Overestimated and underestimated, and then when you're watching the fight, do you ever kind of feel afterwards, and you're thinking about what you've said beforehand? I would have had a similar mindset, but do you, you feel a little bit stupid after seeing a performance maybe like that? You're kind of like, oh yeah, well, really, we should have thought of that. Do you know, like, why didn't anyone think that maybe Parry is on the? you know, on the cusp of one of those fights when we start thinking like, okay, is he putting a run together or is that him done? Is his chin now starting to get to an area where you're thinking like, oh, let's stop that. It's natural though, especially in MMA, but in sport in general, like, you know, people people always talk about in sport, oh, especially with the media, even in, in soccer, oh, they build, they build guys up and they build them up to break them down. But no, you build them up because they're building up. You know, if a guy's playing well, you say he's playing well or if he's fighting well or if he's Carbon fighting bad. Syndrome. <laughs> or Wayne Rooney syndrome but yeah but he, like if he's fighting well you say he's fighting well if he's fighting bad he's fighting bad and I'm not saying Poirier fought bad at the weekend and he just got beat by the better guy in the night 
but you know that's kind of a thing that that naturally happens, and we it's you know, it's easy to not get carried away with it, but guess you know, get into that mindset that okay, Parry is you know he's on a new level now. He's new he's level. making a run. He's making a run at one fifty five, and it's going to be hard to stop him. When you know maybe he should have looked a bit harder at the matchup, but it's easy to say that looking back. You know, I you let I was, yourself down, Sean. To be fair, yeah, no, I don't know. I think most people were picking Parry and. I think he's if he had used his wrestling earlier, I think he still could have won the fight. But uh, you, you know, it's easy to understand why he didn't. Speaking of early, Mister Sheehan, the yes. co-main event. I got that I'm, one right. What? I got that one right. You did. Fair play to you. Just for something that we can maybe talk about afterwards, because I think there is a question about where your eye hole goes from here. Still want to see him fight Anderson Silva. Let's mm. get that shit together asap quick turnaround put it on in New York right the wrong that he suffered perhaps on Saturday night for poor Uriah Hall in my opinion an early stoppage considering none of the shots on the ground from Derek Brunson landed four shots of ground and pound every single one of them missed Um, it looked a little simulated to be honest I was thinking like it looked like a movie fight scene you know that sort of way like choreographed strikes that are deliberately missing and I don't think it was as clear-cut as Uriah Hall coming up trying to grab a single leg on the ref. That being said, from watching the watching the knockout from two the two angles that were shown, it didn't look as bad the second time as it did when it happened. But I still stick in the camp that when you make a guy's jaw and head shake in the way that it did and he drops straight back onto his ass like that, yeah. then maybe there is a fair shout for a stoppage. But or is it a flash? Like, is it a flash KO? Like, and, yeah. and it's yeah. It, it was such a it, like. I'm so caught in the middle on that one. Like when I was watching it the first time, I was like, "That's bullshit." He didn't touch him once on the ground, but you can't take away the fact how he connected and how Hall fell. And let's be honest, if that shot had a landed in the middle of the ring, we don't know what would have happened. Hall would have went on his back. Maybe he would have stiffened up a little bit, and then we don't know how he reacted. But because he fell against the cage. I think that's what's supported him a little bit more and has given a little bit more weight to the thought that it maybe was an early stoppage. See, if you look at it, right, he, okay, he knocked him down. And if you look at Hall, and I, I watched it very closely, I put it on slow, super slow again. Those shots on the ground, those three or four shots that were thrown, Hall never moved at all. His hands were straight out. He, like, he wasn't tucking his hands up. Say in the turtle position to get to cover his chin, they were just straight out. His hands were were straight out, and Herb. I think it was Herb Demon's referee. Was it? He was yeah. looking at that like, what's he supposed to do? Really? I I agree with you that when he gets knocked down, it's a flash, and you should give him an opportunity. But he he was flashed. He was knocked down. He didn't stop it. Then he got to land the three or four other shots, and your right hall still wasn't moving. Now say if he'd got knocked down in a flash, he moved his. He moved to his back. Say he put up, like he tried to kick him off at his hips, or he just put his hands over his head or something. At least then he's defending. Okay, give him maybe give him one, two more shots and see what he does. See does he try to you know get behind uh, Uriah Hall or um, Derek Brunson's shoulder or get behind his head or get an underhook or something like that. If he does that, let it go. And if he doesn't, you know, stop it because he's taking too many shots. But it was you know, it was a tough one. It was it was definitely a borderline one. You know, it's one of those you look sometimes you look at him and. Okay, you know they're bad. Sometimes you look at them and you know they're good savages. But this is the kind of one where, because, and I think it's weird as well. And you can't go by him standing up 
and looking okay. Because even if he did, he did, and I didn't think he looked as okay as some people said. Like he stood up, and I thought his legs were still a bit shaky, and he definitely did hold on to Herb Dean's leg as well. So he wasn't all there even at that stage. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't go by that as much. I, I go by those hands. He took four shots, and his hands were straight out, and they never came into his, you know, they never came in to block his chin or to block his head. Not, you know, not once. I know it was very short uh, and very quick, but you know, I'm. I'm more on Herb Dean's side than that one, to be honest. I think that was the that wasn't one I wouldn't kill him for. That wasn't the one I'd say was bad refereeing. Like there's like like that you know that Tommy McCaffrey Reese McKee one last week. I think that was bad refereeing. This this one wasn't that. You know, I it was it was. A, he maybe he couldn't let it go a shot or two more because Hall maybe looked okay, but I don't know. I, I just those hands straight out. He wasn't and he definitely wasn't intelligently defending himself for those three or four shots after he got knocked down. So I think it was okay. Well, maybe not that he wasn't intelligently defending himself. The thing that I would have been um, okay with Herb stopping the fight is that he was making no. I, I, unless, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sean, does it fall under the same category of not intelligently defending yourself and not trying to improve your position? Because I thought in do- that situation, yeah, Hall could have been coming up onto his knees because he had the ability to fight for the underhook with his left hand. You yeah. know, But it seemed like, are we going back to the same story of the Uriah Hall mentality of maybe of quitting or... Do you know uh, that sort I don't, of, I, that, I don't think that was it. No, I, like, I don't either, but I definitely... like They alluded to it on the broadcast yet again that he's... Um, is you you maybe would know this more? Is that Chael Sonnen's old striking coach in Uriah he, Hall's corner? Uh, he's definitely his coach, and Clayton Hires. Um, I think yeah, I think he is his striking coach. Yeah. I think he's the strike. Yeah, I I just would love to see Uriah Hall up and leave and move to a different place completely. And it's not be for like just to see how he would adapt to see how every day in going into another gym, like if he went to the Black Zillions. I think he actually did maybe. I think he was, was it. Was it that fight on the broadcast? They were talking about him up and leaving, or was I? Because I was watching it half asleep before bed last night, and I think maybe that's kind of stuck in my head on the commentary. Do you yeah, know, maybe that he did sure. go to that yeah. camp for the for his first time, um, and I'm not too sure. But oh, no, he just... went to no, he went to Extreme Couture. That was it. Was that that yeah. fight? Yeah, but I I agree with you. I'd I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him go there. So yeah, he went to Extreme Couture, not to Black Sands. I'd like to see him go to Black Sands. Imagine him with three or four fights under Henry Hooft. Yeah, you know that's be... like. Huge. I think that would be a huge thing for him. I think it would be a good advancement for in his career. But just disappointing to see... A, like, I was think when I was listening to the commentators talking again about his... Uh, maybe his mental mental weakness as a fighter. All I was thinking was, this chap just needs to get... Like, he needs to find an unbelievable young one and have her break his heart. Right, <laughs> yeah. and then Uriah Hall turns into an absolute killing machine. But yeah, I think he had like a bad childhood and stuff. As, or, you know, I remember, I remember him, he was I definitely one of the best people that I've ever interviewed in my life, Sean. Yeah. And I appreciate the image that you used this week for the severe uh, podcast yes. questions. Do you know? Do you know what he needs? Like, you if if you could put Neil Series' head in his body. You'd have like the best fighter in the world. I think you would. You like you need a like he's not a fighter, Uriah Hall. He's an athlete. Like I, I honestly think that, and it's weird to say he's it because he goes in there. He's not an athlete. <laughs> No, I'm not yes. saying that, but he's like, he's, he's shoving on now and things like that. But like, he, he, he's the ultimate fighter. Like, he'll go in there and with, like, he'll bite down his mouthpiece and, and fucking fight. Or like Diego Sanchez or something like that, you know. 
I, I don't know, just Uriah Hall. <laughs> I think he tries to think about it too much. I think he's, I don't know, I, I think he's too intelligent or too, <laughs> not too intelligent. I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but he's just not, he doesn't have that killer instinct. That's why I always think, like, you know, people are saying, oh, Tim Tebow or these football players, you know, give them, if they, if they were fighting in MMA, they'd be the best in the world. And, you know, I don't buy that. I think you need... I think you need the head for violence. I think you need the head to hit someone. You know, it's everyone can't go in there and you know punch someone. It's, it's not like other sports. I don't think. I think you need to have a love for us. You know, I, I, I don't know. Does Uriah Hall have it? You know, he just, he reminds me a bit of you know. You see, sometimes you see soccer players and they're kind of moaning and groaning. They don't have a smile in their face. He kind of reminds me of one of them. He seems happier when he's, you know, not fighting. You, you, some, you know, sometimes you see him like on. Uh, doing interviews and Q&As and stuff on not, weeks where he's not fighting. And he seems a lot more happy and everything. And when he's doing it, I don't think, you know, he's, I don't know, he comes across to me as one of those guys that just doesn't love it. I don't know. Do, do you get the same vibe? I, do, you know, do you know what he is, Sean, in my opinion? And this is something that um, you see a lot in jiu-jitsu. He's the guy that probably is so good in the gym and can't do it in competition. Yeah. And the only way that he can do it in competition is by competing so much that competition is a second day, is a second day in the gym. And it's what Gordon Ryan said that makes him so comfortable in competing because he competed nearly every weekend for several years or multiple times a year, year for several years. And that's like on a lesser scale at a blue belt level in Ireland, I feel comfortable now because I've done over, nearly over 50 tournaments at blue belt and I'm starting to feel more comfortable. But Uriah Hall, pro MMA fighter, you don't have the same sort of time to get over that sort of fear in your MMA career. And that's exactly, yeah. you're hitting the nail on the head when you're saying he's an athlete and a martial artist and not a fighter. He would need, I think, 30 fights plus before he starts being able to show what he can do in the gym in, in a fight. You know, And I'm not too sure of his traditional martial arts backgrounds. If he competed much in those martial arts, were they... Was he doing a load of different martial arts at the ki- uh, as a kid maybe that didn't have sparring, that didn't have contact competitions? It could be any of those things. But I do think for people that are that get nervous and get anxious about competing, you just need to do it so much that it just becomes second nature. You need to put yourself through that fear and through that horrible sort of feeling and a- adrenaline dumps and realizing that you're probably going to lose if you come up against this person, you know, it's something that I think needs to happen for a lot of guys. You've either got it or you don't. And I think it's just, in the case of most guys in the UFC, they have it. There is always those fearless, yeah. fearless type of bastards. Like. You must give credit to Derek Brunson, 7-1 and one now in the oh, UFC. Oh yeah, by the way, Derek yeah. Brunson beat Uriah Hall yeah. at the weekend, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think Derek Brunson is a very, very good fighter. Like he's a very good athlete as well, just like Hall, and he hits hard. He's a very good wrestler. Four first round knockouts in a row. You know he's beaten Lorenz Larkin, who's on fire at the moment. Beat Chris Lieben back in there. Beat Royal. Beat Ron Canero. You know he's he's on a good run here, and like there's lots of there's lots of good fights I'd I'd like to see for him in uh, in the middle of that division. Now he's in far away. From from the very top, and you talk about people fighting Anderson Silva, Uriah Hall. Maybe maybe Derek Brunson's oh. the one now who who fights Anderson Poor Silva. Anderson, poor old Anderson. Yeah, but. beautiful left hand though from uh, Derek Brunson. He, yeah, he kind of party like he walked Hall down. Hall just walked back in a straight line, stepped off to the side, and as soon as he stepped off, he was like, "No, nope. <laughs> not having that." Just threw the kill shot. It was uh, 
a great performance from Derek Brunson. He started calling for the champion or wanting any middleweight in the cage at the commentators afterwards as well, I believe. Yeah, he did, and so. he, he's definitely going to get a uh, rise. But let's get on to Islam Makachev versus Chris Wade. Uh... <laughs> Go on, tell us. What a fight. He said me, I, I watched this with, with uh, Patrick and my father, and this is me just roaring, triangle, triangle, he has it. Yeah, yeah, it's over, it's over. This this fight's over, yeah. Just turn off, yeah, it's over. And then he got out of it. And there was an, I think there was another submission as well. I think it was a guillotine on one side. Was, oh, yeah, this is over, this is over. No, I keep getting out of it. This is done. I thought it was just a phenomenal display of ground fighting. It was one of my favorite fights of the year, to be honest. And it wasn't a barren burner or anything like that, but it was just a great... Uh, great ground fight and i know you enjoyed it didn't you it was a great yeah for so for those that don't know because none of you know sean tells me what fights to watch he said i think you might like this one i went and watched it because i was working over the weekend and i rang him halfway through just so happy that he had told me that we were going to be talking about this fight a little bit on the podcast today that like the triangle in the first that you're talking about was so weird because we we couldn't really see from the camera angle how locked his foot was under the knee. Yeah. Do you know? And then it swapped to another angle and you saw it's like halfway up the calf. So it was like it maybe if it was if it was there the whole time, then it was never really close at all. And the commentators obviously didn't have that other view as well, so they were talking this was done, this was done. But Wade was doing an excellent job of keeping his left elbow tight and if you're going to make reference to the Tommy McCaffrey and Reese McKee fight, well then, we'll talk about the Darren O'Gorman and uh, Gary Morris. I don't know if you saw that, but Darren O'Gorman blocked punches with his head while he had a triangle fully locked on on Darren O'Gorman or um, on Gary Morris in that fight. This is the exact same thing what happened here. He was just... It was so weird. Wade, I thought, was going to get... He must have known himself that he was safe. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done what he did. He moved around to the side, creating the angle for Islam, and then started punching him. Do you know? And he must have had some sort of breathing room. Maybe he's... Like, some people are just hard to triangle, Sean. Everything could be looking perfect. Everything could be right. And they just need the tiniest bit of room to be able to... Because there's different variants that you can do and different adjustments that you can make that can change it to a real hard blood choke. Do you know? And that's when the air starts getting cut off to your head. And that's when you have to tap. There are also triangles where it's your windpipe. You know, so it's feeling like you're running out of oxygen. And it was just about finding it. I just think Islam, again, with his back being up against the cage, had a lot of trouble being able to try and to try find it. Come here to me. Can you explain that sweep that Ron Canera did when he was he had his back on the floor? No, can you send and, me a gif? Because oh, I didn't no, see I that fight. Not the fight we're talking about. The, oh, are we, oh, yeah, sorry. No, it was a different fight, yeah. Ah, oh, there was a great sweep in the... Um, there was, was a fight? Let me think. There was a great sweep in this one, which I have a, a little note about, and it could it be was, that. Yeah, it was, no, it was Carnero. He did, he did the sweep, right, where his back was on the ground, and he caught, like, he's... Okay, he was in full guard, right? And he pulled his leg up he caught i think he two hands on one leg i think i like, have it, it sean like man was, because yeah, it there's like, um yeah there's a there's a thread here on reddit of a lot of grappling so i'll send it on to you and if you find it in this thing is it the butterfly hook was it the butterfly oh, sweep oh. um so he was it? yeah i think it was he had his um he was on his back and he had his right foot on the inside of uh his opponent's tie 
Oh no, it was uh, no. Oh, no, that was... was Kenny Robertson with the sweep. I'm just trying to. Oh, it was, it was on the people look it up. People listen to us anyway. We might talk about it next week, but it was it, uh, like I've never seen anything like it. Like, uh, yeah, it was Kenny Robertson. Kenny Robertson was like screaming in pain, and he just like flipped him over and landed in uh, landed in fucking mount. But uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. That that Wade and Macajay fight was a very good fight. I thought. I I picked the way to win. I thought he'd win. I think Mac. I think it was a very good, you know, a back and forth fight. I think Makachev definitely deserved it. Chad Skelly as well got lovely anaconda choke uh, finish. Came out throwing that uh, Fabricio Verdum high kick early, and um, Evan Dunham and Rich Glynn as well put on a put on a good old back and forth fight. A quick fight wasn't great, but a quick thing on the anaconda, which was beautiful. It was given to him. Maximo Blanco. Tried to do the the John Kavanaugh self-titled, the heartbreaker, guillotine escape, the McGregor guillotine escape. And um, he was sitting back for a guillotine and when he tried to escape from it, he was just able to transition beautifully. There's so many chokes like anacondas and darts that are available off a guillotine. But sometimes people stay in the mindset of they'll be able to follow the guy over and come up onto mount and finish the guillotine that way. Do you know that yeah. sort of way and come up on top but instead he was just like no not doing that switch the anaconda straight away once an anaconda is in that far it's very hard to get out of there because of the amount of pressure it's bicep and arm like cutting off the 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 blood vessels in your neck do you know so when that goes on on a squeeze it's one of the hardest chokes to get out of whereas in a triangle you can chill in an arm bar your arm can pop but you can still fight on stuff like that will put you out straight away and we saw that Absolutely brilliant grappling on display this weekend. I was I was thoroughly happy. Uh-huh. So there I we agree. go. And some more brilliant grappling might be making its way to Bellator in the near future. Brilliant. <laughs> as the man known as Chael Patrick Sonnen has signed with the world's second best promotion, Bellator. What were your initial thoughts on this one? When you heard it first. My first thought, Sean, was chill. What are you laughing at? Sorry. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? And yeah, it's just no, going to be no. that good that you're laughing already. Yeah. I think that's it. Because my initial reaction, Sean, was Sonnen told us that he was entering back into the USADA testing pool. Yeah. Um, I believe you told me before the show that he actually passed four drug tests. Did you there's four tests anyway on the USADA website and, and they haven't announced a failure. So it looks like he's passed all four. So, and then he still signed with the UFC. So conspiracy theorists among us, myself included, um, would have thought, uh, who didn't know that he didn't, that he passed those tests, would have thought something had gone wrong and now he signed with USADA. And since, or, <laughs> since he signed with USADA, signed with Bellator. But passing four USADA tests in that short of a time, Sean, he, the man should get a job with USADA. To be mm. fair, like, um, but he, it's a weird one. Do you think maybe he, the UFC were like, you're not that big of a star anymore. You're not getting this much cash. We're not going to give you that much. It could be anything. It could be any yeah. amount of things. Or maybe Sonnen was just never intending on coming back into the UFC at all. Do you know, you just don't know what that guy, I don't think, mm. I think outside of his immediate family, I don't think anybody else knows what his plans was because we always kind of thought he'd come back. He was just being like, no, I'm retired and being an analyst so that when he did 
try come back in order to get relicensed, it would maybe be an easier process. You know, because it looks more like a, okay, I've had a change of heart as opposed to, yeah, I'm sitting these two years out and I'm going to come back. You know, kind of of a no remorse sign of thing. But Sonnen was open, was frank, talked about taking everything that he had taken and then was like, I've retired and got into broadcasting. So and this, yeah. go on. There's a thing about Jill Sonnen as well. You've no idea whether he's telling the truth or not. And even you said there, uh, he got out of his UFC, his UFC contract. He has said he was under no UFC contract. He said his UFC contract was gone since that time back when he failed all those tests. So is that true? Did they cancel his contract back then? We don't really know, do we? I'm pretty sure they didn't, <laughs> but maybe they did. Maybe he's telling the truth. You just don't know what Chelsea Allen, right? My the biggest thing in this is I agree with you about like the is the is it that the UFC thing he's not a big draw anymore or that he's been tainted or whatever? Because for me, if I was in the UFC, I'd be like, Chelsea Allen, come back, brilliant. That man is that's pay per view boys guaranteed. He's gonna sell pay per views. He's gonna talk. We can get him back on commentary. Brilliant. He's you know all is all is forgiven. Bring him back. He admitted taking all the drugs and everything. He admitted to all of it. He's if you sad or now, he can prove he's clean. He can prove he's back. Brilliant. No problem. I just find it very odd that they'd let him go. So maybe he is telling the truth that he's already gone since since back then. Um, I have a little. I have a little bit of a theory that of why you know if he was under UFC um, ownership or under contract as a, an independent contractor. Um, why they might have let him go the TV deal is coming up not too long away and do you really want people who a person who people are describing as the Lance Armstrong of MMA under your bracket you know while you're, while you're trying to make a deal with ESPN or but he was working with ESPN <laughs> oh, well, that's true yeah actually yeah, good point. but with CBS or some big, I don't know who the big ones in America are but whoever like do you want do you want someone like that working with you you know do do CAA want that or not CAA? What are they called? Uh, WME want that? I'm not. I'm not sure. There's, you have to think of these things as well. Now, I might, I might be totally off the mark with that, but and that could be it. Let's Do, not you know, rule out a WME situation. Yeah. Maybe they're like, no, we're we're moving away from this. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? We don't want any more of these high profile things. We don't like. We're happy with you, Sada. We're happy with this, and maybe it's too much of a risk. Yeah. You know, it could have been any of those things. And you mentioned CBS there, Sean. Front O'Brien put on Twitter last night. I believe there's talk of CBS and someone merging, maybe Viacom, um, so that uh, Bellator could potentially be on CBS and on Spike. No, not uh, who do Viacom have? Is it Spike? Uh, yeah, Spike and CBS. So there was uh, something about that online. Again, every time I hear stuff about American TV deals and American television networks, I, I'm i trying to compare it. Like, is that Sky Sports? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there is anything. I think they're all kind of... Is that RTE? Do you know, there's so many different packages and providers and ways you can get television in America. It confuses me. So um, there's just that. I want to ask you something, though, Sean. He's gone to Bellator. Yeah. Immediately afterwards, you've got Kevin Ioli releasing an article about the character of Chael Sonnen, you had people calling for USADA to implement year-round drug testing, Bellator are freak freak shows, blah, blah, blah. This just seemed like a reactionary thing to Sonnen signing. Do you know, it was just like, to me, that that seemed the weirdest of all. Like, do you know, it was just guys coming straight out and putting Bellator on blast. Yeah. Look, the, the, the drug testing thing on Bellator... 
let's be honest here. Bellator isn't making that much money. You know, Bellator is not, he's not the UFC. Uh, for them to put in a USADA testing pool like that, that could put him under. Genuinely, like they can't do that. It'd be, it's all well and good saying that, but this is still a business. This is a, you know, this is a television product. This is a show like that won't even provide a, a stream for us so we can watch it. You know, it, it, Bellator, you know, they're, they're I just think it's unrealistic. It'd be great. Yeah. It would be great, but it's unrealistic. They're so far away from the UFC. The UFC had to implement something yeah. like that as a major sporting league to take themselves to the next level of being a res- like to be considered elite or reputable. They had to implement that. Do you know what I mean? This is the equivalent of us. Well, why why didn't they say that their fight pass partners, Titan FC, need to introduce year round USADA drug testing, or that the third place competitors' World Series of Fighting need to implement year round? third-party drug testing do you know it's maybe maybe Bellator performed a coup Sean maybe Bellator actually did steal Sonnen from the UFC and just rang him up and said look they're offering you this but we're offering you that and maybe it was a snatch and grab and this is why we may hear at a press conference Chael Sonnen was never my friend in the next couple of weeks (laughs) but do you know that like I'm 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 leaning maybe more towards that now that I'm seeing about how Bellator have been thrown under the bus and this and that called for. I would think that maybe the UFC aren't as happy about losing Chael P as maybe uh, as we think they could be. Maybe and you got even though wrong. I just said two completely different things in the space of five minutes on the <laughs> podcast. You know, let's go with that. It was a cuda. It was such. I think this is the biggest. Signing ever in Bellator history. I think Chael Sonnen is the biggest draw. I know Luke Thomas was. I was talking to him on Twitter uh, during the week, and he said Kimbo is up there. But I think I I think Chael is bigger now. Numbers maybe Kimbo is a little a little bit bigger. You know, if you're going Chael's biggest by Kimbo's biggest. But how many times did Kimbo? I know Kimbo died now, unfortunately. Rest in peace. But even if you if you you know if he was still alive and still fighting today. He's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna fight more than three or four or five times for Bellator. Like it's unrealistic. Chael could do that in a year, you know. And Chael's gonna be, he could be on the commentary, and Chael could be getting them hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, getting them, uh, getting new people into their, you know, into into the promotion. Chael's a guy you can build around. What age is he? Like he's late late thirties, maybe mid thirties. Chael's the type of guy who's gonna be fighting for another five, six, seven, eight years. Like, uh, and there's lots of fights for him there too. And he's going to draw big numbers. I like. I think this it's brilliant. People, I remember, remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Rory McDonald, and I said at the time he was the biggest signing Beltor I'd ever made, and I said it's because people like him, you know, and that people know him, you know, people like you know Vincent Anderson, but it's not the same, you know. People know Tito Ortiz, but you know he's an old guy, and you know he's he's not what he used to be. Whereas Rory was, you know, the new guy. Everyone likes him. He's still one of the best in the world. I think maybe Chael's not still one of the best in the world, but I think he is one of the biggest stars in the world. People like him, and and people know him. Like people know Chael. Like even from ESPN, he's on does does YouTube videos. ESPN do all the time. He's always on the MMAR. He's on there today. He's his own podcast. Chael is is huge. Chael's one of the biggest guys in MMA today. And for Bellator to have a guy like that, I think is absolutely huge for him. And it, it, you know, it's good for him too if he's getting paid lots of money. You know, he deserves it. Look. There's, there's, okay, there's the drug thing. We, we were always giving out about drugs. We were, both of us are kind Everybody of... Everybody just forgetting about it because <laughs> they're so happy that Sonnen's back, like... But yeah, but, look, he is, and he's performed an unbelievable coup as well by getting into... By into getting the, this much money, the USA, like. No, but he got into the USADA thing, right? 
<laughs> passport test. Okay, I'm clean now. I'm back. I'm clean. And now we, now we can go over to Bellator, the wild west of drug testing. <laughs> he with, did with, it. With the IQ test. He just did it. Like, And there's so many people going to believe him because he's, you know, he's going to say, I was in the USADA pool. I passed all those tests they put me through. And now I'm fighting again. Now, meanwhile, <laughs> he's back these old testing where he's taking, you know, testosterone and everything under the sun before. So, you know, <laughs> the okay. gunslinger. The gangster, Sean. That's gangster. why he is That's the American gangster. That is very well pointed out. I was always a big chill fan of Paris. I like his shtick. Um, and I think it'll be huge for Bellator because I think a lot of Bellator fans like... Well, Bellator fans. There's no such thing as Bellator fans. But people who watch Bellator... I think they like that sort of thing. Sean, improving yes. our ever con- ever growing relationship with Bellator oh, MMA well, here. Uh, I, I've made that. There's the UFC fans and there's MMA fans. There's no such thing as any other. Like, there's no such thing as a Cage Warriors fan or a Bama fan or. Uh, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge RFA fighting fan. Yeah, I'm gonna like. No, that's just. You're no. either you're either Grabaka Hitman or you're the rest of us. <laughs> Exactly. Let's yeah. be honest. Okay, maybe Gravaka Hitman. He's okay. He he, he could we be call a him, Bama he's fan. A, he's a Bama fan. Okay, but nobody else in the world. That's it. Sean. Yes. One final thought on Chael Sonnen before we move on. Yeah. He called for it. The bad guy versus the bad boy. <laughs> Say. Did you see Tino's reply? No. <laughs> he, like, he was broken, like half broken English. Heavy breathing. <laughs> the cat like, meme. It sounded like, like, to read it, it sounded like Tino Ortiz in a press conference speaking badly. And he called Chen Solon the, the bad girl as well, which made it even better. It was hilarious. Tito Ortiz speaking is the best thing in the world. There was so many gifts going around of him. Who did he do the in-ring... Uh, Questions S- for before. Seraldo Babalu. It was um uh affliction. Oh my god. Brilliant. Tito Ortiz. One of the best gifts in mixed martial arts history. Legend. Without a doubt. I, I I can't help but be excited by a fight like that happening at two hundred and five pounds in Bellator. That's the fight. That's the fight. Isn't it? That's yeah, the yeah. money fight for Bellator. Like that's the fight that that's their Griffin Bonner one, Sean. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? If they want to get people in, then wheel these two old guys out. Don't even have them fight. Have them talk to each other for 15 minutes. Sonnen will run rings around Tito Ortiz at these press conferences leading up to this fight. Yeah, Chael absolutely destroy him as well. Like, and that makes it even better for Chael because then Chael can talk all this shit in the world he wants. Oh, because he's uh, going to win so clearly as well. Yeah. Then I want to see Chael versus Rampage. I love that fight. I want to see... People uh, People didn't like this, but I want to see a Chael against King Mo. I think that's a good fight. Aren't you know, they think, friends? Maybe, possibly. I think King Mo, King Mo will probably beat him, but I like that fight. I do you like that fight? And there's Rory, the Rory fight as well. I don't think we'll ever see the Rory fight now. Do you not that's, think so? No, that's two stars you keep away from each other. They're, 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 yeah. they're, 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 they have two separate objectives in Bellator, Sean. Rory gives them credible as mixed... Mar- like, credible as top level mixed martial artists Chael Sonnen gets people in and will punch a guy and have a fight with him do you know mm. r- there are two I think completely different angles that for Bellator maybe two you know people what's the expression you come for the this but stay for the that yeah come come for Chael Sonnen and stay for Roy McDonald pretty that's much that's how I see it going the one other thing maybe a move up Michael Venom Page versus Chael Sonnen that's how a star is born. That's how you put the next star over. Pro <laughs> Wrestling 101. Chael Sonnen will win a few guys, will beat a few guys. He'll get just old enough to give MVP to him and it will be a passing of the guard. 
Chill. Hard as here first. Chill is literally the worst matchup you could give MVP in Bellator, I reckon. Chill would just take him down and lay on him. For Repeatedly. <laughs> it's just, that's the one you don't want to make. Just keep it, totally keep away from it. You know what fight I like is, I like Chill versus Liam McGeary. Because Liam McGeary's triangles for the bottom and like bad takedown to Vince. That just makes for a match, you know, a brilliant matchup. We know Chael's problem with with triangles, and he's good. Uh, obviously, he's good wrestling, so it's good. Most people Chael like, Sonnen also threw shade at Damian Maya's wrestling the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Damian Maya beat him, didn't he? Yes, with a try, like yeah. the most probably the one repeated highlight submission of Damian Maya's UFC career, the mounted triangle on Chael Sonnen. He dropped him with a judo throw and put him on his head. Mounted him and just beautiful setup. Like let Sonnen thought he was getting out. Sonnen rolled over and bang, triangle on. What percentage of our listeners do you reckon have never seen Chelsano fight? I'm not too sure. I it's wouldn't say thing. that much to be honest. Me, yeah, I don't We're know. still obscure. We're still cliqued. You know, I'm maybe they'll go girl. back. <laughs> well, here's a better you, question. You fought how on many... the same card as McGregor as well? Yes, so once. Yeah. So how many guys have seen Sonnen fight at the time he was fighting? They've probably gone back and watched Chael Sonnen's fights if yeah. they became MMA fans because of McGregor or bigger UFC fans because of McGregor. Then maybe they go back and watch Sonnen. But I would say a large... I would say a sizable amount were watching him as he was fighting his like UFC that, run. That and second Anderson Silva fight. One of the that, greatest of all time. Like. That was the biggest. That's, I still maintain that's one of the biggest fights in the history of the UFC. Like, I've never been so pumped for that fight, for a fight as, as that one. I think. Maybe maybe McGregor Diaz 2 was big as well. You know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of big fights recently. But that one was just... Because, like, how long? For 2010 was before it. So it was yeah. two years of Chelsea and shit talking, bringing belts with him to interviews and everything. Oh, Do you know... It's just brilliant. We're, we were... That was a fight... Four years too early. Do you know? Imagine if that took place now with yeah. social media and technology in the place that it is. Uh, well, how it big? Yeah, that. but how big that fight would have been in terms of videos on Facebook, you know, videos on Twitter, everything, live chat, live streaming. I think that fight had the potential to be so much. It was huge then. And Sonnen said one good thing in, as well in his uh, press or his QA. He said that he had the highest Fox Sports record. He had the fight highest pay-per-view number. He had the highest gate. And he's lost all of those records. But he's yeah. coming back for them. Yeah. Do you know that sort of way? Like, that was a great line from Sonnen. And it just shows that he was this big star. You know, he was the biggest draw in the company. I know Graham and I have had many arguments over his... Uh, over, I remember my famous... Thinking Chael Sonnen was on a lot more money than he actually was back when he fought on the Boston card originally. But um, that was just... For me, Sonnen is the guy who now can actually take Bellator to a next level. And it's just from his name. It's just from what he can do for them as a company in this day and age in 2016 over the next two years. Whether they capitalize on it, whether it works, or whether there's a conversion. Because mixed martial arts fans are hardcore loyal to three letters to be mm-hmm. fair and do you know do you know what this is why this is the biggest masterstroke the hardest thing in MMA to do is make people care by just signing Chelsea on and Bellator have made us care about them they really have you know you, you can't there's no way you can not watch Chelsea on and fight in Bellator that, and that's 
that's why this is huge. You, know, you can if you if you miss that Benson Henderson pitbull fight a while back, ah, sure, you know, you wouldn't be too bothered about it. You know, I'll Google the result. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you can't miss Chael. You have Chael and Tito. You're not missing that fight. Even you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's, these are two old guys. They're not what they used to be. And yeah, they're not. But you're still going to watch it. You know, it's, it's Chael Sonnen versus Fedor at heavyweight. Sonnen says he wants to fight anywhere from middleweight to heavyweight. He took a bit of a dig at McGregor. He doesn't care about weight classes. There's going to be no holdups or bullshit over weight classes. Blah, blah, blah. He's going to just fight anyone from middleweight to heavyweight. There are serious money fights there. I'm all in on Sonnen versus Fedor already. Chael has a long history of calling out Mirko Krokop too. And Mirko Krokop is with Ryzen now. We're basically uh, a partners of Bellator. So that could definitely happen. You know, as well, there are lots of fights from there. Imagine a Fedor fight. That would be absolutely huge. That they could do that in pay per view. I reckon that would be amazing, brilliant, unbelievable. Speaking of uh, unbelievable, no. Speaking of Brazilian goats, this weekend Christine Cyborg headlines her first ever UFC. For clarity, character. Sean Sheehan is not a sexist. He means greatest of all time. What else does goat mean? Goats are muscly. Oh really? Yeah. Here, here's a question for Mike Bond, but I'm going to ask you. When was the last time UFC card was headlined by a pre-agreed catchweight? Because this is at 140 pounds. It must be a long, long time. Not, not, no, never since I could remember. Anyway, you know, there have been like, guys I'm definitely not the person to ask that. No, man. you're not. It's, I should ring Graham. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't know either. I don't think. Yeah, but it's, it's probably a long time anyway, but Chris Cyborg is fighting Lena Landsberg, who we had a little bit of an opportunity to watch. I presume you watched that fight, I sent you. Did I you? did, Lena yes. Landsberg. Um, initial thoughts are, this is probably going to be another another squash match for Christine Justino Cyborg, um, and it's, in, it's obviously in Brazil as well this weekend. Lena Landsberg, she's a, a decorated kickboxer, Muay Thai fighter from from what I believe fought in Cage Warriors. Um, I think six and one record, so not not too bad. But it's very difficult to get get matchups for Cyborg. She doesn't look the biggest, most um, you know, most obs- obscure. No, that's not the word. What's the word I'm looking for? Most domineering figure, just in, in her size and stuff compared to Cyborg. So it's going. It's going to be another. It's going to be another. It's going to be a tough night for uh, for Lena Landsberg and probably another um, blow away for Chris Cyborg. Before we get into Cyborg and what's it for her to uh, to headline and what it means, so what do you think of Lena Landsberg after watching her? Do you give her any chance against Cyborg? I watched Sean when, uh, and thankfully because um, you would have heard it back, I was able to watch back on the last minute there just to be able to get this point right because I didn't want to say something and look like an idiot. That would be like you. It definitely wouldn't. <laughs> when she had uh, Laura Howarth, was that yeah. it? Laura Howarth up against the cage. She struggled. And fair enough, Howarth was a wrestler and has a wrestling background. But it seems like if she tries to get to that position with Cyborg, Cyborg will be able to turn her at ease. You know, from that fight, it looked like she liked to... She was comfortable on the feet, but enjoyed being able to grind up against the cage try uh, elbows off the se- like off a separation but just watching like how she was and maybe how her technique was in that fight Cyborg is if she tries that on Cyborg Cyborg will literally with ease turn her off that cage and unload on her with her back against the cage and then it will be a very short night 
I do think she may be able to keep the fight going a little bit longer than expected if she does stand up with Cyborg. I think her leg kicks may be able to cause a little bit of a, a, a trouble to Cyborg in terms of figuring out the distance, especially if she goes straight for attacking the lead leg against someone like Cyborg who will who will be looking to push forward. You can kind of um, you can disrupt someone's rhythm massively with a with a tie slam with a shin slamming into a tie when they're trying to establish a good jabbing game. So I think we could see it go on maybe a little bit longer than we're expecting. But I can't see anything other than Cyborg being able to figure out that timing, figure out her rhythm, and then just light her up on the feet. Or if she does get into that grappling and exchanges with her, be able to turn it massively into her favour. I'd love to see this fight go to the ground. Yeah, I just would love to see Cyborg do some work on the ground in the UFC. And I think it probably will as well. Like Looking at a couple of clips from Lena uh, Landsberg, there isn't much, obviously seven fights in, there isn't much to watch on her but she her takedown defense she's been taken down a couple of times uh, in her career already look she looks like she's a good go forward fighter she's very good elbows you mentioned there good leg kicks good going forward good distance she threw a couple of high kicks as well didn't she She did yeah Yeah. good good use of range i think she's a go forward fighter but that's going to be very very hard to push uh chris chris justino back um yeah i'd agree with you cyborg if she knows she's a, a kickboxer I don't think she'll have any problem kickboxing with her standing up with her but I think uh, you'll probably see a bit of grappling right? you'll probably see Cyborg taking her down or you know hitting her knocking her down and then landing on top for something like that so that's, that's the most likely way it'll go can we say that we're finally happy to see the UFC booking Chris Cyborg regularly at catchweights or do you want to see her fight in a division just make the 45 the division or just fight the best people you at the weight that will fight her. Just have her fight at one forty-five. Like you don't need the division. You're you have one forty now, where she's fought twice, and there's no division there. So why can't she just fight at one forty-five? Like why make her suck down? I, you know, I wouldn't mind if she if she made one forty-one. She was struggling. She you know she had to uh, you know. Well, I wouldn't when I say I wouldn't mind. I'm saying for the UFC to see how badly she's struggling to make that way and not make her do it again. I've no interest whatsoever. And to try to see her kill herself to get down there, and and uh, you know, I said kill herself. She could kill herself getting down there. Like uh, she's a big lady. You you know, there's pictures of her with with Frankie Edgar. Uh, have you seen uh, that picture of her with Frankie Edgar? Like she's As, huge. Uh, and that at that time, Sean Edgar was the fifty five champ. Yeah, and she is a, a good four or five inches bigger than Frank, taller than Frank Edgar, and is filled out as well. She's. Like she's a big person, yeah. You can't make her cut down. Like, imagine, imagine trying uh, trying to say, okay, in men's MMA, imagine if this was a situation where the only good division in men's MMA, all the money fights were at one thirty-five. So, and you'd Conor McGregor, and you had to make Conor McGregor say, Conor McGregor, you have to make one thirty-five. You have to cut down to one thirty-five. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He's he's, he's too big. He can barely make one forty-five. That's where Cyborg is. Cyborg cuts lots of weight to get to one forty-five. She, I think she's. I'm pretty sure she's missed one forty-five before. Uh, she's she's a big person. So I like. I've no interest in seeing her fight one forty. It's stupid. I can understand her cutting to one forty-five because she's to make a division. But this one forty thing is absolutely stupid. She can't make one thirty-five. It's stupid making her just fight at one forty. But. Your question was: You glad seeing her there? I'm glad seeing her in the UFC. I'm glad seeing her on top of cards. She she's a big star, especially in um, in, in Brazil. And when I said at the start, oh, we're t- uh, you know, call her the goat. She is. She's the greatest female fighter of all time. I think. Uh, you know, I think she's better than Ronda Rousey. I think Ronda Rousey's a a great fighter. But Chris Cyborg, 
you know, she's beaten all comers, done it to everyone. Now, maybe the people she's beaten, it's hard to say they're not as good as the people Ronda Rousey's beaten because Ronda Rousey's beaten some good people, all right, but, you know, they've all had the UFC build-up and stuff, like Bitch Correa, but Chris Cyborg has beaten, way, like, way better people than her. No, okay, a lot of, so Ronda's beaten a couple of good people, but they're not, you know, they're not that much better than the people, uh, some of the people Chris Cyborg has beaten, like um, Marlouz Kuhn and, and, and people like that, so... For me, she is, and you need to you need to give a person like that what she has at the moment. You know, you need to to promote her like the the great fighter she is. And there's people there, the likes of Holly Holm, Misha Head. I wouldn't mind seeing coming up fight at one forty five or Ronda Rousey, but that'll never happen probably. Um, for Cyborg, and I think there's lots of big fights you could put her on pay per view easily in um in the US as well. The return, Sean. Well, I don't want to say the return. To Brazil, but before we get on to the rest of the card, a prospect that I wouldn't be against seeing in Brazil headlining Cyborg versus like just do the 145 pound thing as you're saying. Amanda mm. Nunez at 145. Is yeah. Nunez just too small? I think she would be all right, but I don't. I don't think they're going to put the champion against her as well. Maybe if Nunez was to lose, but. But if they made a, a division one, and put a belt on her and made it a champion versus champion thing, then I'd be up for it, you know, yeah. and and have them meet at one forty, on like so, just like give her a belt so they both have it for a promotional sort of thing, agree to meeting in the middle of both of the divisions at one forty, and then have a fight like that. I I do think that Cyborg would win. I do think that Cyborg is much bigger. I do think that she she dwarfs uh, she's dwarfed in comparison, but. I, I don't know I just think it would be a, a nice thing a nice thing to see that's all yeah I, I wouldn't mind seeing that but I just want to see her fight go equality people it must be hard to get people to fight her too oh I'd say there's very few I'd say yeah, like, like this Misha Day gonna fight her is Holly Holm gonna fight her is Ronda I think Holly Holm probably would fight her but you'd have to pay her a good amount of money to do it and I don't know if the UFC are willing to do that they can just get her to beat cans as much as she wants but I'm not saying that Lena Landsberg is a can because she looks like a good fighter, but... Here is a better and, uh, one from Mike yeah. Bond. When is the last time a headline UFC fighter has never had a Wikipedia page? Yeah. Or when was the last time you... Uh, uh, that, that, um, Joe Soto, maybe. Joe Soto, I was just about to say it. When was, was it his de- UFC debut as well? Yeah. But maybe had a... Oh, I wonder if we could find out when Joe Soto's Wikipedia page was created. Yeah, maybe. Damn. Was it his debut, though? It was his UFC debut because he had signed from Bellator. He had. Hmm. Yeah, it was too. You yeah, had to check that. You didn't believe me. Yeah, I didn't believe you. Now. Why would I believe? <laughs> oh, were you on his Wikipedia page? What? Just were there. His... Yeah. No, I just oh, knew no, that. Right. Jesus, you're a man of. Uh, but just because of... I was looking at the card, because I didn't oh, know much. if Nelson was co-main or Barrow was co-main. So Hen and Barrow and Felipe Nova as well this weekend. That is going to be quite exciting. Odd, odd kind of matchmaking though. At the same time, yeah, like although I suppose it isn't too bad. Philip Nover is he's the guy from from the, the Ultimate man, Fighter, the back. man who's been calling for tune-up fights for months on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like the idea of a tune-up fight. I didn't say I didn't like it. I said it's a, it's an odd one, and I don't I don't mind the fight. I actually said in Bro should be given um given a tune-up fight. So I'm I'm happy enough for it. Yeah, it's a good fight. Like um. Philip Inover is he's always been, you know, an exciting fighter. You know, submission artist back in the day. Um 
but what was it was it Philippe Nover that was called the and the Michael Jordan of BJJ or something no, like that? No, that was uh, Talis Lettuce what? against no, Anderson Silver. Michael Jordan in his grappling abilities. There's definitely something with Philippe Nover as well. Oh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter anyhow, but yeah, he he came off the uh the ultimate fighter back in the day. Not a, you know, not a bad fight. I think this is a good one for um for him to in and bro to get his first win at uh at one forty five. I think, you know, Nova's not the biggest guy in the world. It, it's not you know, we're, was it Jeremy Stevens um, that Hinnebrow fought in his last fight? You know, going yeah. straight in there against basically, you know, a lightweight. Uh, it wasn't that easy. He, uh, Nova's not the biggest guy in the world. So it's, I, and I think you remember that fight against, even against Stevens. Oh. Bro looked. Uh, Felipe Nova, Sean, was compared to George St. Pierre by Dana it? White and also Anderson Silva. Oh, yeah, it was Anderson Silva, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, no. It was Nogueira on Tough 8 Compared him to his good friend And training partner Anderson Silva Yeah that was it that And was Dana White said he reminds me of George St. Pierre So you've got two Respected <laughs> figures in the fight game Sean One comparing them to an elite striker And the other comparing him to an elite graveler <laughs> And he was never really that good <laughs> But yeah I, Hopefully Like Brown that Stevens fight He showed like changes to his game that he's getting his foot, feet, feet moving a little bit better, not kind of stuck in the mud like he was against um, TJ Dillashaw in those two fights. And I think this is another good fight to to show that. Philippe Novel probably wanted to get it to the ground um, and get a submission, but against Barrow has a phenomenal ground game, very good takedown defense as well. So I think he'll probably end up fighting the feet and Barrow... You know, Bro should win there if he can. You know, if he can get a little bit of confidence in his hands back, that's been a huge struggle when he was kind of shown up a little bit against Dillashaw with his phenomenal striking. So to get that back, I think this is probably a good fight for him to get that back. So it should be uh, should be a win for him there. Sean, this just came up on my Facebook page, and I want to just throw it in there. Are you a fan yeah. of Narcos? I've never seen it, but I want to watch it. The guy who plays Pablo Escobar in Narcos is a BGJ purple belt. Oh really? Yeah. Our good friend. Um, Oh God, his name escapes me now. Our good friend from Twitter is in Narcos as well. Remember, he's the guy. He was he was an entourage. Yes, that Anna Faris's um, uh, uh, boyfriend in in entourage. God, what's his name? Oh, it's a this is annoying blank. me so much now. We were only talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you're obviously not a true fan, Sean. I'm not. No. Oh God, what's his name? I can't Make it stop. Make it stop. You can look him up, Google him. But yeah, he was in Narcos as well, so fans Speaking of the Severe Mail podcast all over Narcos. Um, Jason Barry's also a fan of the Severe Mail podcast from Love Hate. Fair play. There you go. Um, speaking of, uh, there, was a, there was a lovely little segue that I had in my head, but then the Narcos thing came up, so I had to tell you about it, about maybe punching or being hit, because... The th- fight third from the top is one that I think we're going to be a little oh bit sad, sad about <laughs> afterwards. What has Antonio Silva done to the UFC to deserve having to fight in Brazil against Roy Nelson? This fight should not be happening. This is a disgrace. This is going to be a horrible knockout. This is, this is like a top-rated heavyweight fight. What are you talking about? I would compare this to the 1916 Rising Execution, Sean. 
bringing Irish heroes out and shooting them in front of people. This is what they're doing to Antonio Silva. They're bringing him out to be sacrificed in front of his hometown. Do you know the saddest thing about this? And it's in Brasilia as well, which is uh, where Team Torres originally comes from. Oh, very good. Both guys are still ranked in the top 15 at heavyweight. Antonio Silva is from Brasilia as well. My God. Like, is That's there as anything... bad, Sean, as Evan Dunham being a top 15 lightweight as well, just since that was pointed out in the broadcast. Evan Dunham's good, though. I like a bit of Evan Dunham. He's beaten some good guys as well. But is there anything uh, other than a, a knockout for Antonio or for... Um... No. Roy Nelson going to happen in this fight? No. And that means um, Roy Nelson gets another fight to take stupid damage in after this. And people think that, oh, but Roy Nelson still could do this. It's like, no, he still can't. Against good mixed martial artists, he can't. Against mixed martial artists that genuinely needed a testosterone TRT exemption yeah. to be able to function as a human being in Antonio Silva. And now you're going to make him get knocked out by Roy Nelson. I don't care if I'm insulting Silva in this instance. If I'm insulting his skill set, man, he could do this, he could do that. He can't. Not anymore. Medically, he can't. And he's still being allowed to fight. And he's going to get brutally knocked out at the weekend. And it's a fucking joke. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't think this fight should be happening. I don't think Antonio Silva should and, be fighting him anymore. Sorry. If, if you don't know, people don't know. Like, he has gigantism or something like that you know he's a big guy he's a he's a thyroid problem gland problem whatever it is and he needs to like he needs testosterone to live like he should be on testosterone all the time but with because it's banned he can't take it and now he's just a shell of his former self um and he should like he really shouldn't be fighting he should be on testosterone medically and then therefore he can't fight like so I'm 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 not doing a my um, my boy Ryan is doing the preview this week. I have a week off, so I don't know what his better week will be. But my better week will, would be probably be Russian KO anyway. If anyone wants to go and throw money on that, there's no prizes up yet, but that should be. Uh, as I say that's probably a dead start. What do you think? There's nothing else. Like, was was my previous analysis not thorough enough yeah, that there's only way this fight true. is going? And it's just, and even at that, Sean Antonio Silva wins somehow. Makes us look stupid. Then they have to give him someone higher than Roy Nelson in his next fight. Yeah. And then the exact same thing is going to happen. And you're delaying the inevitable. Yeah. You know, other, than, it's, other than that, there isn't... It's not a bad card other than that, actually. Francisco Trinaldo against Paul Felder, he'll probably rob a decision off another Irish guy. And one. Tiago Santos will probably kick the head off Eric Spicely. He was giving Neil serious shit on Twitter the other day. So that'll probably happen. Gilbert Burns, Durinho, your boy is back again. Should we'll be, be talking fight. about him in a minute as well. Ronnie, Ronnie, yeah, yeah, gonna trangle the face of someone. Dustin Ortiz looking like a midget going around fighting. You know, Isia Farmiga is probably going to lose. Uh, and Stevie Ray is fighting as well. Scotland's own, so that should be funny. Oh, and Eric Silva's fighting as well. What do you want to say about Durinho? Just on Stevie Ray, yeah. for guys that are getting into the UFC like him, maybe after thinking for so many years that it, uh, maybe it wouldn't happen, that um, are they going to come over? Are they going to start signing us European guys? Heading off to Brasilia with your coach James Doolan with other guys, do you know what I mean? To go off and fight in Brazil, excellent thing for a young fighter to experience. You know, these are the th- these are the stories, these are the experiences that fighters striving for the UFC are the ones that they want to get. You know, not just fighting on a on a Manchester card on a, on a Polish card and stuff like that. Fly me to the other side of the world, do you know what I mean? Let me see some cool shit in the short window of time that I have of a mixed martial arts career. So. Stevie Ray, enjoy the experience completely. Brazil is a lovely place. Indeed. I know they'll be listening on the on the long flight over. Yeah. Um, uh, Gilbert Burns, just before we get on to questions, Sean. Yeah. You're a big fan of Gary Tonin. You're a big fan of submission-only yeah. grappling. 
Gary Tonin was offered a submission-only match against Gilbert Burns at 170, and Burns on um, the next Polaris card, the guys at Scramble do Polaris. Yeah, um, com forward slash merchandise. Yes. Um, I was saving that for later, but we'll get back to it. <laughs> uh, Gilbert Burns, so Tonin has always said, make £15 above the weight division that you'd normally fight in the UFC at a day before weigh-in. That's what he did with Palharis. So... Yeah. Burns said no. Burns has turned down this fight after openly campaigning for a fight against Tonin. He wants to do it at any weight, you know, and just come in at whatever. Yeah. But um, you know, you can't be can't be throwing shade at a submission artist like Gary Tonin saying that you're gonna uh, you you want to fight him this and that you want to match with him and then turn it down fifteen pounds above the division that you actually fight in. What does Gary Tonin weigh? At? Where Gary Tonin would be. I'm trying to think. I'd say he'd be only 70-something kilos. 74, 75 kilos. Just, it's like 160, 164 right. maybe. That's fair enough on matchups though. I don't think, and like he's given him the chance to be able to rehydrate, you know, so yeah. he'd be much bigger. But uh, that's that was a little bit disappointing there. Also, uh, Gordon Ryan, I don't know if you saw it, he's getting oh ob- obligatory mentions now. He's on a bit of a call-out spree at the moment, Sean. Do you, have, do you have him on Facebook? I don't know. You really need to get him on Facebook. He um, hashtags everything with King Ryan. I like it at the moment, right? And we'll just put up like, "Hey guys, good morning." Just a random message. I'm the greatest nogi submission only time limit guy in the world. And then uh, put up a picture 27 minutes ago of him in a bathrobe. Compete for free, they said, and him with his EBI Eddie Bravo belt. Um, it's mental. Andre Galvao turned down a, a fight with him and he's just trying to call out all of these big guys and there's a mass conflict in the jiu-jitsu world at the minute between this disrespectful kid who's trying to call out the biggest legends in the sport and get paid for it versus the guys that maybe train under them and are like no man you need to win the mundials in the gi you need you to need, win you need to win you need to train in the gi um, like you need to do this and that and before you even get a chance at him but it's He's changing the game here. Like it's it's great to watch. He's I'm my, a big he's my fan. grappling wonder boy. He is. Oh, that's a big call now. That's he'll be delighted with that. Yeah, he's the only one I know. Oh no, I know a lot of him, but he's my favorite. Yeah, he's very good. So there you go. I can hear Graham just roaring at the podcast now. Though. He Why called you a, doing ju- this? He called a jujitsu match a fight. So a fight. okay, the, just just to finish, he said at this point, if you don't think the top level guys are all running for me, you're lying to yourself. Claudio Calasan signed a contract saying he would compete against me and blah, 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 blah. Less than a week ago, he turns around and he said he must be paid in cash at the event or he will not do it. His, uh, it's a professional event and no event pays big money in cash, especially the money he was making for this match. The reason he gave to not compete is completely pathetic. I'm sorry to all the fans who are excited. A replacement will be found shortly. That's disappointing. Anyway. Questions? Do you want to tell the good folk? While you're pulling up the questions, I'll tell the good folk about our good friends at rosnutrition.com, Ireland's leading provider of supplements, goodness, all stuff like that. Head on over to rosnutrition.com and purchase some of their wonderful products. And you can get 25% off those wonderful products by using the promo code SEVEREMMA. They provide multivitamins, which I took this morning, which are very good. It'll give you an old G up in the mornings. Krill oil, all that good stuff. Protein powder, 
everything you need for if you're an athlete, if you're just trying to get fit, if you're just trying to feel a bit, little bit better about yourself, head on over there, have an old look, join the promo code Severe in May and you'll get 25% off your first order. Help us help you. Andrew, first question. One Mr. Podge. We were only talking about him last week in the WhatsApp group. What's happened to Ryan Hall? The questions were answered. He's yeah. annoyed the UFC immensely. Could the winner of Gray Maynard versus Ryan Hall make a legitimate run for the featherweight title? And Ooh, where does yes. the loser go? That's an interesting fight, it's isn't it? It's a great it? fight. Yeah. And I, I was like, fuck, that's, that's where Ryan Hall went. Who, like Maybe Ryan Hall was like, look lads, I've actually adapted to this whole MMA thing a lot better than I thought I would. Would you please give me an extra couple of months just to work on my striking and just to work on my stand-up or my entry level for my ground game and um, I'll fight whoever you want. You can give me whoever you want. I was, th- I was talking to someone, I don't know when or where, but they trained with, uh, with Ryan Hall. I'm not sure it was. And they were Artem saying Lobov. No, it wasn't Artem Lobov, no. I can't remember who it was, but they were saying he'd improved an awful lot. He was actually before the Artem Lobov fight. I don't know, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, they're saying he'd improved an awful lot and that he was getting really good and he had, he had you know, it was all coming together, hadn't put it together yet, so you could be right. He's the type of guy, you know, his game is so dangerous on the ground that he can afford to throw whatever feet, and that's kind of gives him, you know, he, you see him throwing a lot of kicks and stuff in the in the Ultimate Fighter and things like that, and throwing harder with his hands, because what's you know what's the worst that can happen really if if it goes to the ground, he's just going to destroy everyone there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very interested in seeing that fight against Graham Maynard. Graham Maynard, we know all know about Graham Maynard's chin is not what he used to be, and we know that he's uh, he's called the bully. Obviously, he's a very very good wrestler. So if he takes Ryan Hall down. That makes for an unbelievable match. Now, if people don't know Ryan Hall, leg lock specialist, unbelievable on the ground, loves to get into 50-50 and rip your sh- fucking ankle off. So, yeah, that should, that should be a full matchup. I like that. Sean Sheehan saying somebody loves to get to the 50-50 is definitely up there with my favourite things that have happened in this podcast. You're embracing the culture, Sean. Give me an oos. Oh, no, how dare you? Go on. One, one, one vibe, one tribe, Andrew. There you go. Give, me an o- give me an oos. Oos the fuck. Oos the fuck. Finally, the follow-up from him. If Cerrone beats Gaslam, can it cement his place in the welterweight division or can you still see him switching? I believe that uh, he can't make lightweight now anyway. It's just well, too... he said he would. Oh, well then. I don't like that fight at all. Don't like it at all. Very Not underwhelming. Yeah. Very uh, underwhelming. Does nothing for me. Like, just, I, I don't even know who's going to win it. I think it's a 50-50 fight. I think Gaslam's very good. He might struggle with... Uh, with his power a little bit and he's been known to get taken down as well and Cowboy's wrestling has improved an awful lot uh, it doesn't push him anywhere any more forward than what he, he's he's ranked number 7 at the moment which is a bit mad when you look at it uh, he's ranked in front of Lorenzo that's that's a bit madness but uh, yeah uh, look it won't be a bad fight it'll be alright it'll be alright JJ right. Murphy wants to know who was going to Donegal it was my <laughs> sister Ruth was away up in Bundoran with transition year. Surf. How she got? How she got the junior surf? By the way, um, she got an A in honors English, which she was delighted with. Uh, five Bs and whatever the rest was in Cs. So, ah, for fuck's sake! She's some sort of genius. Well, she, she's genius. She's collectively got better results than probably both McGahan brothers in the junior cert and has also scored the first A in a state examination as well. <laughs> nice. So congratulations, I, I, Ruth. I got an A in CSB in my junior cert and I have no idea what I got in anything else. There you go. You just remember the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> remember the good times, Sean. That's typical Sean Sheehan, that is. And then, 
Uh, something that we didn't talk about earlier on in the fight because I was going to wait until the questions. I knew we got one or two. Juby Sports, or Jube I Sports, however he likes to pronounce his, uh, his name. Any thoughts on Michael Johnson's fuck you to Parier and subsequent rant? A little bit weird, and it kind of ties into a question we got about Kat Zingago, Zingano about CM Punk's pay as well. Yeah. Do you know, like, first of all, like, Michael Johnson immediately post-fight or pre-fight was acting like Conor McGregor. He walked out to the middle of the cage and did the arms open thing. Oh, did he? Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, and then to go on that sort of rant, it's like, it was bizarre and very disrespectful, I think, to Parrier afterwards as well. Yeah, the thing with Parrier got up to him, you could understand that because Parrier put like a gun sign to his head at the wings and stuff. So yeah, that no, wasn't very nice. But his promo was just embarrassing. It was the worst promo I've ever heard. Right, the two, <laughs> the two things. Right, you should do if you're doing a promo. Right, okay, take a shot at someone and say a name. Right. He took a shot at the best fight, one of the best fights of the year, one of the best fights ever, just idiotically, and then he never called a name. He just said, oh, I'll fight anyone. You you came out, and you wanted to cut a promo. You came out talking this big shit, and then you just didn't bother doing anything, really, and it was just terrible. Like, oh, God. And also said that you get beat up in sparring. Did he? Yeah. But oh, I, no, I no, sorry. He comp- Was it not he compared it to a sparring match? Yeah, oh yeah, he said uh, yeah. it McGregor, yes, that's what I'm saying, yeah, it's just idiot. Chaz Kelly also got uh, <laughs> just a terrible promo, what did, I can't remember what he said, but it was just, oh, it was embarrassing, it was terrible. And he called on the guy who had al- already beaten him, like, you're not going to get that rematch, the guy who beat you in your last fight, like, why, that's stupid, don't do that. But I like Chaz Kelly, he gave me a compliment on one of my articles before, so he's uh, automatically a good fighter. He's G. He's my favourite, yeah. Uh, Nate D wants to know, what's your favourite combination finish you've ever seen? I couldn't think of one off the top of my head when I saw that question. Like obligatory mention or honorary mentions to Wanda Silva and Vitor Belfort. But oh, that know. wasn't more a combination, that was just more unleashing hell. Yeah. Wonderboy's kick to Dan Stigeon was my favourite knockout ever. Has to be. Here Nicola Sheehan just sent me a sent mine, me a, a Snapchat there. Saying Sheehan Nation. You know, she has she asked a question for the podcast. What's your favourite uh, thing to get eat at the deli? Oh, well, depends on what deli you go to, Sean. If you go to Mrs. Deli's in Dundalk, they've got the best sausages. So you just get sausages and brown sauce, maybe a rasher if you're feeling excited. In a sandwich like or in a breakfast In a baguette. Oh, yeah. Okay. If we're talking breakfast rolls, I'm everything except black puddings. Because I like black puddings, but not at a, not at a deli because they're all always rotten. And if you're talking like during the day then, it's a hot chicken roll with whatever nice sauce they have. Maybe like sweet and sour sauce and coleslaw. And a bit of corn if they have it. Oh, a bit of corn is good. Definitely. I may get a subway after this show and you've got me hungry. Be nice. Gavin Springett says, Was the whole fight stopped prematurely in your opinion and will he ever live up to his hype coming off tough? Uh, he'll, I, don't, I don't think he'll ever live up to his, high, his hype, to be honest. Uh, was it stopped prematurely? We spoke about a lot earlier. And I think the answer was, it was, but we can understand why. that the answer I thought, the answer. Were, oh, I thought you were going to sorry I was dramatic pause I was waiting for there sorry Sean um, Sheehan's Tatos the ghost Legend. of Twitter names why is the UFC not bothered announcing anything other than the main event for Belfast they announced it Anna Elmos this morning against uh, uh, Amanda Cooper Amanda Cooper the blunt answer to your question Mr Sheehan is the UFC don't care 
it's a fight night, fight pass event that's going to be held in a market that they know the tickets are going to sell out in almost immediately. Yep. They have to finish their UFC 205 card at the moment. That's going to be an absolutely huge thing for them. Um, so really, it's something that they can work on or can work on in the background and be in no real rush to release just at the moment I don't think I uh, think that's fairly straight down the middle yeah yeah. They don't, they, there'll probably be one or two more before the uh, tickets go on sale I think it's Friday so yeah you'll probably hear one or two more Scruffy Duffy wants to know with Woodley having a turnaround a quick turnaround for his first oh, defence yes. which we never got to talk about Sean sorry mm. we will have to wait uh, for, okay. will we have to wait for his second against Maya <laughs> No, yeah, let, let's just talk about this quickly. Uh, Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy, is fighting uh, Turn Woodley, and I the think glee in your voice—you've <laughs> just think, upped your tempo. Uh, isn't it? Isn't it an indictment of the title pitchers at the moment? Like Tyron Woodley called out Nick Diaz and George St Pierre, and they're both like, "Nah, lad, nah, nah, fuck it, nah, what bother? I'll, I'll, I'll wait for a bigger fight, nah, fuck it." But and Tyron Woodley, I'm sure after that said to the UFC okay um, if, if you don't give me one of those two good guys big guys who are going to get me a lot of money I want to be on the New York card which is smart and which I kind of like said would be actually smarter than fighting Diaz or um, or George St. Pierre because you're going to get more money out of that card you know you you don't it doesn't matter who you fight you want to get on the McGregor or Rousey card that's how you make money as a champion you get on the undercard and obviously McGregor's probably going to be on the the New York card. So that's going to be big money for him. So it's smart. He's, you know, he's fighting. Obviously, you know, Wonderboy deserves it. Wonderboy is more than likely going to win. But he's going to get, Tyron Woodley is going to get a huge payday out of this. And that's exactly what he wanted. So fair play to him. Speaking of a huge payday, question from Will Martin MMA. After his next fight, do you think Joseph Duffy will re-sign with the UFC? Or can you see him going elsewhere? For those that don't know. In an interview with the 42.ie during the week, uh, talking to Paul Dollery, Joseph Duffy revealed that he is going to test free agency, Sean, or considering testing free agency because he feels the deal he was offered doesn't suit. um, He doesn't think that he would be making enough money. Fair play, Joseph Duffy. Yeah, and he said the fight that he was offered for UFC Belfast, I believe, was... uh was one that wouldn't bring him forward. So I was obviously someone maybe who was unranked or ranked. Oh, no, yeah, unranked. He's not ranked. So it was obviously someone maybe from below him that wouldn't uh, put him on up a level, say, for the for the contract uh, renego- renegotiations. So, yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, if he's going to get more money elsewhere, fair play to him. If he can make the UFC give him more money, fair play to him. Like, you'd, you'd hope that's what's going to happen, that the UFC will pay him. Like, I... just stuff he's a very good fighter. Yeah, hopefully they do plan. I would love, like, I would love to see Duffy headline Fox Sports before UFC 205. That would be that would have been an ideal situation. I think Joseph Duffy main event in the Fox Sports card before New York. Unfortunately, not to be, um, or potentially not to be. Who knows? I don't know. I don't Maybe know. the UFC will listen to this and think that's a great idea. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen. To be honest. Uh, how big is Starcy in America? Like, I don't think that big. To be honest, I don't think. He, I think he could. He could have headlined the Northern Ireland card if they gave him. You know, if they gave him a Poirier, and maybe not already already fought Poirier. Sorry, a, a cowboy or someone. You know, someone good like that in the in the lightweight division. Even maybe like a Will Brooks or Nia Quint or someone like that. But I don't think in America he's going to be headlining the card unless they give him. You know, unless it's 
Nate Diaz in Stockton or you know something like that. I don't know someone in their in their hometown against him. Dara Fagan wants to know, in your opinion, who's the biggest wasted talent in MMA, past or present? And he loves the podcast. I think there's only one answer to this, really. And I have any. I actually, I think I think I have an idea who yours might be, but mine is Funky Ben Askren. Good shout. Yeah. Who do you think mine's gonna be? Shinya Aoki? No. Oh, well, Shinya Aoki is actually. I was gonna say. Uh, I've said this a few times in the podcast, Sean. There was a guy from Dublin before called Luke Caffrey that fought at a Rush Fight Academy, and was probably the best prospect that I've ever seen in mixed martial arts alive. And he's stopped training. Uh, he's moved over to Spain, I think, at the moment. And um, Joe McCulgan have been a big loss as well if he didn't come back. Joe McCulgan would have as well, and that could be one that we could turn and look back on in the future. But definitely Luke, who seems to have walked away from the sport, was an absolutely tremendous talent. I wish him all the best in whatever he does. He's an absolutely lovely guy, but uh, that was uh, that would have, would have always been mine. But shout-outs to Shinya Yoki, Sean, definitely. That man just got paid too much to beat up nobody in, China, in Japan. Fair play to him. He took advantage of it. Nice guy. Um, Pulling lads' arms clean off. What more, what more would you want? Sean, is this GSP situation as strange as it seems or just public negotiations? Um, is it as strange as it seems? It is strange as it seems, I think, yeah. And I think it's public negotiations as well. But it's more than public negotiations, I think. Because if it was just public negotiations, there probably would have been a compromise. and <laughs> Something would have happened, but nothing has happened and it's it's weird you know you hear rumblings of different things and different reasons why uh it's not coming together and uh yeah i can't go into much more on other than that but you know there's i think there's there's probably a few reasons why why it's not happening but uh gsp there's there's a thought out there that gsp is just keeping kind of keeping his nose in you know keeping keeping his name in in the picture um and uh, you know, given uh, given Under Armour reason to to give him fifty grand a year or whatever he's on, you know, he's to to say he's still an MMA fighter. So yeah, you wouldn't know. Maybe he's coming back. Maybe he isn't. <sighs> this is a bit one. This is a bit. <laughs> what I like. I just skirted around the issue there. Didn't you I? did, yeah, a little bit. But um, it, I'm trying to. I, I want you to do this, but you need to be ready and composed for it. Okay. Yeah. Marty Latta says he doesn't remember what episode we referenced it in, but could he hear a posh Dublin accent, please? Um, just insert a clip there, Niall McGrath talking. Niall McGrath. <laughs> no. Niall McGrath yeah. here talking rolls, I mean. Yeah. Dricko and the boys wrote last night. It was, uh, I was in it was Kylie's a having night. a few pints. Uh, myself and, uh, and Pizzi wrote last night, you know. We with with the Ruggers friends, and we, you know we did tremendous night. We had a bottle Are you of going Cristal. to Wes? Uh, yeah, but did, did you have you seen this McGregor chap? What what a what a game fighter he is! There you go. Are you coming to my house? No, I, I was that was I, like half. I'm awful because at I had it in pizza, and then just half. Um, I'm half. awful at impressions, and then do you know when you kind of like? Actually, no, sorry, I'm brilliant at some impressions, but just generally. Not not great across the board. Give us, give us your James Gallagher there, go on. But, uh, no, J- you see, James is getting better as Andrew McGahan, so I can't keep uh, working on my <laughs> did you, Gallagher. Did you Google me or something? Uh, you're getting there at this stage, Sean. You can take over for me. 
Um, Spencer Carpen says, "What do you guys think of Nate telling Schwab he went down on purpose? I love Hoping Connor would come and uh, what Schwab? Yeah, give us a Schwab. Um, hoping Connor would come down to the mat. I believe I said that the week after the podcast, Sean. Fairness, yeah, you did. Um, I buy one of them maybe, but the two were the first two were definitely knockdowns. Third oh, yeah. one maybe, but yeah, I don't buy it. Nate Diaz is shit talking, but uh, yeah, okay." Shane Kiley, uh, I was about, I wasn't shushing you. I meant to say Sh- Shane Kiley. Shane Kiley says, Sheehan, you bastard. Is it possible for a fighter to get kicked off Team Sheehan? Uh, you know, if if I be was to go up and beat Wonderboy, he'd probably get keep kicked off Team Sheehan. But other than that, probably not. No. Um, McLean wants to know what's your top three comedies of all time. His are Only Fools and Horses, Father Ted, and Kings of Queens. Oh. I was a big Frasier fan, Sean. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, did you see the lads talking about that on Twitter during the uh, during the week. I used to be a big Frasier fan, but I can't remember it now. I just I, I don't know. I used to watch it all the time back in the day. I used to watch Friends as well. And so. I'm a big Friends fan. Now. I've watched to, every episode go, of Friends. Yeah, you'd have to go with Father Ted up there. I I you know I'd like to go with other branches down there. Um. Mm, it's tough. There's a lot. There's a lot. Like there's loads. Silicon Valley's on that's coming to mind now, but I'm not sure. I think I'm forgetting like loads of. Do you know what's good? Um, what's the name of that? The IT, the IT crowd. It's very yes. funny. Yes, and the Office. Uh, the Office. The Office is. Fantastic. I haven't watched much of the Office, but I liked the bits I have watched of it. Excellent. Darren O'Connor says, "If Hendo beats Bisping, how realistic is it that the UFC hold a middleweight tournament for the vacant belt if Hendo walks away?" I believe you could argue the UFC are already doing that. There's been a rumored Yul Romero and Chris Weidman matchup that's been signed on one end. Um, Romero put up a contract of his Instagram said he had signed it and then it was deleted fairly quick after that because maybe Weidman's team hadn't agreed to terms yet but maybe that's in the way and Jacques Ray versus Rockhold 2 was recently announced as well so I think there's your four fights there and do you know what Andrew? you called it as well it's all fucking pointless because if Hindo wins that belt there's one hope in fucking hell that he walks away <laughs> yeah they're in the hope. I know he said it, and I, I know the, the exclusive over in Severe may talk about it, but there's not a hope. Not the fucking hope he walks away <laughs> if he wins that belt. I'm telling you. I kind of hope he does win it now just so he doesn't walk away because it's not going to happen. Keen O'Connell wants to know if McGregor Alvarez is confirmed for 205 with champ versus champ, a good card, and the Madison Square Garden factor, will it sell more than 202? I was actually thinking about this. I saw that question asked today. Uh, I don't think so because... I think what sells more than anything is huge matchups, and I think there's none. I said it, I called it that the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz fight is the biggest fight of all time, um, in MMA at least. And Eddie Alvarez and McGregor just isn't that. Um, the Madison Square Garden thing is big for us, and it's probably big for some people, but it isn't going to, you know, is it going to make some casual fans pay $65 start their pay per view? Don't think so, to be honest. Um, I would probably put it. You know, if the two McGregor fights were number one and two and UFC 200 was number three, it's either going to be number four or it's going to overtake UFC 100. Yeah, 100, sorry, not 200. UFC 100 at number three. I think it's going to be either the third biggest of all time or the fourth biggest of all time. We'll find out. Do you want to know why I think, uh, how I kind of thought it was going to start happening? How? Remember when Ariel did the walk and talk with Alvarez? Yeah. I was thinking maybe Alvarez knew. At that stage, look, the fight's done. We need to get something out there. Ariel's the guy to do something with. Yeah. that's That was my take. Oh, yeah, um, he knew well at that stage. Adam Schoen says, has the UFC put two UK shows on too close together? Fans are either going to go to one or not, or 
one either or and not both in terms of Belfast and Manchester again maybe relying that the Irish market will sell out Belfast almost by itself uh, no I don't think so because I think Belfast will sell out straight away anyway and if you're torn between the two you're obviously going to go to Manchester like so um, no I don't think it makes any difference there you go do you agree with Brendan Schwab when he says the Octagon has too many sponsors should there be less or should there be less or change the format that's from Ian Thornton doesn't bother me to be honest I don't it doesn't matter I, I just changed the money so do you give the fighters the money instead of all oh, going to the UFC that's what I'd be most bothered about I don't care you could put a t- oh, fucking hundred more sponsors on it me it doesn't make one shade of difference as long as it goes yellow again that's all I care about yeah fact that was brilliant as my favorite two quick ones before we go Big Red wants to know if Dan Henderson can KO Lombard surely he can KO Bisping why is he such a big underdog again we alluded to it before after that episode or I did anyway he didn't really knock out Lombard. He got very lucky. He like you know that was a reactionary dig. I think that elbow. He can knock Bisping out though. You know it's a possibility. Oh yeah, Come like he's I, done it. Yeah, he has done it. Yeah, but I don't think it's likely to be honest. And there you go. And we'll give the final question of the week. Since you're going to the birthday bash, we'll give it to the birthday boy, Patrick Sheehan. Where would you rank Tom Dukenwa in the UFC level, and who would you give him as his first opponent, Sean? He should get the title in his first shot, shouldn't he? Fact. His first fight should be the opening fight of UFC Belfast against Alan Philbot. It's oh, f- Sean Sheehan's just happen. written the script here, folks. Yeah. I said it last night on Twitter as well, so I have a spoiler alert. If you oh, haven't seen that. You did say it on, on Twitter? Yeah, I did, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. There you go. And who, where would I rank him at the UFC level? I'd put him... Huh. Where else he bantamweight? with? Mm. He'd definitely be in the top 15 anyway. At the moment, at the moment, I'd probably put him 12th, but I think he'd be... Nice number there. Excellent. Sean. Yeah. Another severe MMA podcast in the books. Yeah, it was a good fun. One step closer to 100. The episode where we're going to be able to just, for the week, repeatedly use the 100 emoji. I can't wait. Someone needs to make us... um, Emojis. Not an emoji, but um, like a graphic for the UFC 100 show, so we can put it up with like the two of us as cartoons or something with like 100, and we'll use it for like the whole week, and we like promote it and stuff, and we use it as the background on iTunes and all that. That would look good. Speaking yeah. of iTunes, we're not giving that enough love here at the end of the podcast. Yeah. If you've subscribed to us on iTunes, please, by all means, here it is, Sean. Every single person in the next week that leaves us. A review on iTunes and a rating will go into a draw for a free severe MMA t-shirt. Oh. There you go. So leave us a review, whatever review you want. It can be one star. If you hate the show, you know, that's fair enough. But just let us know, okay? Preferably, those with five stars will have a much better chance of winning the (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt, coincidentally enough. But by all means, please go over, leave a review, leave a rating, and leave a comment. And we will um, we will put all the names in a draw. The winner will be announced on next week's podcast. Some sizes have sold out, so unfortunately, I will. You'll send me a message. I'll say like, look, I have one here. No hassle. Send us the address, and it's on the way. And uh, we will announce the winner on next week's show. Aside from that, Sean, you can find us all over the internet. And a topic to pr- to kick off next week's podcast, Sean. I'm joining you. Well, you're joining me? I'm joining you. We're going to open the podcast with it next week. Andrew McGahan's like page. Oh. It's been given tremendous thought over the week. 
it looks like it may happen for various reasons that we're going to kick off that's another reason you should tune into next week's episode of Severe MMA Podcast yeah, ladies and gents that, that's like mine if for that to pick up a few, pick up a few uh, pointers yeah. if you want to get in touch with us over the next week please do not hesitate to do so he is over at Twitter at Sean Sheehan BA and over on Facebook at Sean Sheehan MMA and Sean if you would just open your Facebook page right now you're about to get the best news of your day oh my god Oh, oh my god. god. I haven't seen it yet. Wait. Oh my god. It's still not there. Oh. Oh, I sent you an invitation, did I? Oh my god. No, I I had it up on my uh, on my computer. I've yes. just liked Sean Sheehan's MMA page, ladies and gentlemen. Head on over and do it yourself. We're, we're friends again now. I've been enemies there for like 56 <laughs> weeks. <laughs> for so long. Head on over to Twitter. I'm at Andrew McGahan underscore. I'm on Instagram too, at Andrew McGahan. We're both on... Uh, Snapchat at the aforementioned names as well Sean Sheehan BA Andrew McGann follow Severe MMA at Severe MMA go on and check out the good lads at Team Talking Brawls Pizzi and Niall another episode will be dropping later on this week everything is going on at Severe MMA Sean give Patrick and I'll follow at Patrick123 happy birthday birthday as well he definitely needs a wee follow Um, and that's pretty much it another episode in the books I had a great week Sean you're heading to the party Mm. (sighs) I suppose um there ain't much else to do but to do it. No. Is the party no, in your no. house? Is yeah, it is. Yeah, it's coming. He's coming over here. But my father got. I actually, my dad and Donald oh, got come a cake on. What, there. What's what's the spread? Any goose grace? Oh. We're coming uh, into uh, that no, time of so. year. There's a, there's a few Freddos. There's an old few bottles of Coke, Lucas Aid, uh, Taylors, and I, I. My father got him a cake. <laughs> I got him to get this cake. That's like pavlova and cream and stuff you know one of them I had one for my birthday and I loved it and it was delicious so I just got him so I can get I hate cake like I hate normal cake you know like really oh I don't like it yeah so, so this is like a different sort of cake so I'm he, happy enough with that he's, he said that he would listen to this podcast but a guy that I work with his name's Ian Tennyson he left yeah. work at the weekend he's moving to Edinburgh with his uh, to live with his girlfriend he um, one, of the, home. one of the girls in work their mum made a cake for him and brought it in and I had a slice of it yesterday morning in work with a double espresso and it was the best thing that I've ever eaten in my life Sean and it was a chocolate cake it was like a double chocolate cake with a chocolate icing it was phenomenal I'm a big cake man now I'm disappointed to hear that you're not but um, look we're not going to fall out over it I have a packet of milk chocolate digestives here that are calling my name and I've got uh, Netflix to watch so enjoy the party Enjoy the rest of your week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, leave a review over on iTunes and you will be entered into a draw for a free Severe MMA t-shirt. We will announce the winner next week's podcast. Pretty much, ladies and gentlemen, on Sean Sheehan. Yeah. Until then. We'll see you all next Tuesday.